Hi, and welcome to another Breakthrough Academy here at um, we're in Breakthrough Church mm -hmm. in the eastern part welcome of Melbourne. Everybody. And I'm here with Josh Doby, mm -hmm. um, and we we are building the Josh Doby Bible. If you're, if yes, you're yes, we've got, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe four four or five or six scriptures now yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and an autograph so not, not, it's, it's forever building you yeah, know don't 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 mistake him when he said six you know not six of the books of the bible not six chapters even six verses in, in Josh's bible we're hoping to fill a page eventually yeah you know, so. so what are we talking about the fact we're doing a bible this is breakthrough academy and here we are teaching how to go deep in the word of god our logo says it all the word of god which is our standards how we grow and mm. josh why the mountain uh, mountain moving faith to grow our faith. Yeah, this is not to grow our mind and just to become academic. It's to grow our spirit and to grow our faith. So Breakthrough Academy is all about growing you and growing you and your ability to follow and obey God and minister and flow in the gifts and the, the abilities of the Holy Spirit. So, but we're going to do this by digging deep. Mm. We're working on the principle that if you teach a man, to, uh, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Mm -hmm. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Mm. And so this particular Bible study we've been doing has been focusing on how to actually study the Bible. So I'm not teaching from the Bible as much as I'm teaching you how to handle the Bible and how to approach it. And in doing that, we've 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 settled on two main things, that which is how we deal with the Bible. And what are they, Josh? It's God breathed. It's God breathed. And it's a book. And it's a book. If you can if you can get your heart and life around those two things and treat the Bible always as the fact that it's a book. And you can go back and watch our earlier episodes when we take this and, um, and, uh, and unpack what it means for the Bible to be a book. Mm. But it's also God-breathed, which means it's got the, um, yeah. the life and the flow of the Holy Spirit. And we must be, we must be in, um, growing in our, in our hunger and desire for God in order for the Word of God to take effect and to um, come alive to us. You can't just approach it um, as an academic. You can't just approach it as... I'm a skeptic and say, well, it's going to be fine. No, you, you come with an open heart, come with a desire to learn and don't allow your, um, your, your own um, shortfallings. Like if, if, you know, like there's a passage, we talked about it, where the Pharisees scoffed at what Jesus said about money. It says, because they were lovers of money. Yeah. Because of their, their wrong attitude towards money, when Jesus taught them on money, they couldn't receive it. So we've got to make sure we approach it with the right heart attitude so that we can get the best from it. And good morning, Judith and, morning. and Graham. It's great to have you guys with us. We, we so appreciate it. Um, Judith, Judith did pretty good with the Bible translation yes. a couple of weeks ago. Oh, she, yeah, um, yeah. she did all right, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Josh. I have to say she nailed that verse. That it was, But that's only just to lift you and to encourage you to go higher. Because what we've been doing is over the last few weeks actually sort of teaching you the principles of translation as if you were actually translating the Bible yourself, yeah. if that was one of your roles, and you had to... Um, had to make the choices that Bible translators have to make. And the reason we do that is that, that equips you when you're reading different passages, um, you're thinking about what's happened in order to bring that word to you and you can make some um, decisions. You can also know how to treat all the different translations because you realize why they've made decisions, what they're going to lean to, yeah. where they're going to uh, make good, um, make it good or bad. Um, I think I quoted last week from um, a, a rabbi. Let me see if I've got it on my notes still. Um... Uh, Rabbi Judah, um, who is said to have said, if one translates a verse literally, he's a liar. If he adds thereto, he's a blasphemer and a slanderer. Um, and I, we understand what he's meaning. He says, if you just do it really literal, you actually 
you, you, you don't bring the truth of the word across. Yeah. But if you then start to, to bring it in, in a more free-flowing way that brings the thoughts, then you become a blasphemer because you start to add your own thoughts and yeah. you add your own, without, you don't want to, but you add your own leanings and biases in there without even realizing it. And, yeah. um, and then so it's, it's always a balanced thing that you know, you, you're going to gain by it being literal, but you're going to lose by it being literal. You're going to gain by it being mm. more free-flowing, but you're going to lose by it being free-flowing. So you've <laughs> got to do that. So we're going to look at some more scriptures today, which cover very particular things. I've got, you know, I, I've got um, pages of different scriptures that I've um, compiled over the last 20 years of all different scriptures that are really good examples of 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 um, when a decision has had been made, and um, and I've narrowed them down to some very particular. Issues and we started covering them last week and we're going to finish them this week. Mm. Um, all right, trust finished. But mm. we're also going to take some time just to make sure that we're not just treating this as a book, mm. but we always stop and say, hey, it's God breathed. Mm. What's God trying to say through this? Yeah. Um, because we need to connect with that. And so Josh has been building the, the I can't, we've renamed it a few times. Yeah, it was the, it was the JD version or something. Yeah, the, the JD version, the Joshua Adobe version, um, the Joshua Adobe translation. Yeah, nice and easy. Um, and so we encourage you, as you're watching, I want you now to think, I, I'm building my own Bible translation. Mm. What's it going to look like? I'm going to tackle some difficult scriptures, some difficult passages. I'm going to make some choices, and yeah. I'm going to come out and say, I've got the best Bible translation there is. Come and buy it. Yeah. I, I think that I need to go back and watch the other ones and actually... Uh, write down all, all of my translations and, yeah, and compile them. And compile them. Yeah, at the moment, they're just sort of a little bit loose fragments in his memory. And so even that, so he's done four or five verses, but he hasn't written them down. So, hey, but he's really. started by thinking about it, which is the main thing. Um, so we want let, to, let's pick um, uh, one. Well, it's, we were talking about this before um, we came on the air about an idiom. You know, if, you know, see, if we talk about idioms, you say, oh, yeah, I know an idiom. He cut me off in the traffic on the way over. You know, <laughs> we've met a few of those lately. Yeah, I've met a few idioms in my time. No, no, idiom. Um, no, no, we're talking about phrases and, and um, th things that are not as they appear. You mm. know what I mean? And you say something like, I'm going to hit the road. It doesn't mean I'm going to literally hit the road. Yeah. It means I'm going to get... I'm going to go early. I'm going to get yeah. off to an early start. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, there's different phrases we use that we're not actually talking about those words. We're talking about what they refer to. And the Bible uses those, hmm. which can be really difficult because if it's an idiom that the Hebrews understood, yeah. but we don't even understand, we, we're trying to take it literally and we're getting all confused. So let's look at a great example. Um, um, I think it's in 1 Kings 20.11. Let me just make sure that's the right reference. Yeah, 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 11. So, um, all right. So, for the, can I explain one of the things, one of the reasons it's very difficult doing this is we just grab a verse out. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's, um, what's that mean? Because, you best to understand things in context. Yeah. I always, I always think, no matter what level of Bible study or scholarship you have, you know what you know how how, how you can approach this. Context always works really well. Mm. If you read broadly, and if you do it in a translation that is fairly free flowing, like New Living Translation, ninety five percent of your job's done. Yeah. Right. If you just pick up a verse and look at it narrow, 
and then you also use a translation that's maybe a little bit wooden and mm. hard to understand, <laughs> it drops down significantly. Yeah. All right. So, but if you are reading widely and not even you know, reading the context of your verse, you know, if you, I'm reading in 1 Kings, so we're going to study 1 Kings 20, verse 11. You go there and it's like you're locked in. You do, that's all you're thinking about. No, if you're seeing it in the context, the understanding of what it means will will broaden. And like I said, if you're using a bit more free-flowing translation. But if you even broad, go more broader, and if you say, I've, I've, re, I've been reading through the Bible, I've been reading um, from Genesis right through to... Um, up to the book of Job, which is, you know, before the book of Job, it's all history. Mm. And it gives you the, the historical background of the Israelites and the giving of the law and, the, and, the, and how they, they, uh, they went around in the um, promised land and the 40 years and um, how the kings rose and then the kings would fall and, uh, you know, the, the nations were divided in the north. South. All those things give you great context for when you come to the New Testament to mm. see where they are and the understanding that Paul brought to and the teaching, if you read um, things like you know the prophets Isaiah and others, they can give you context then to to seeing what the Jesus was referring to. So the wider you read, um, it always helps you when you're coming to a verse. Yeah. So um, it's you know what we're doing here today is a little bit anti that. And the first thing I thought was, oh, I'm going to tell, tell you a verse. Ah, oh, let me give you a little bit of background because the verse doesn't really make much sense by itself. And that's so that so that's one of the issues. That, you know, a verse by itself is not really well done. Um, no, no one's ever taken um, a scripture out of context ever. Oh, <laughs> ever. Yeah, no, it's it's never scr- happens. It never happens. No, no, you know, you can't pick a verse and um, go for it. Um, you know, so I, let me give you an example of, of of how you can sort of be wary of this. Um, I was reading a book once, a Christian you know book, a teaching book, mm. and um, it said, you know, I'm going to give you four or five verses to, you know, like. Um, prove what I'm saying. So the thing that he was saying was, I was, I was a little bit, yeah, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. But, but four or five verses, hey, if you can give me four or five verses that back up what you say, you would think that that would be, okay, that's a fairly good it's, biblical solid truth. Yeah. But the trouble was like four of them were out of the book of Job and one was out of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> and um, I'm like, oh, hang on a sec. Um, those passages need a lot of careful handling. They need to be treated like a book as well as this is God breathed. You, yeah. Because Job recorded three of his friends, um, and, and then the fourth friend, all sharing truth, but they were sharing wrong truth. Yeah. They were sharing it from a mistaken attitude. But they had some things that were right, but they're not. But they were not. One of, them had, one of them had good intentions yeah. or good heart. But, it, still, but they, they still could get things wrong. So wrong. if you're quoting someone who's quoting someone who was wrong, that doesn't mean that that becomes truth that you can then yeah. say well, that, that, that the Bible teaches that. Yeah. And Ecclesiastes was, um, you know, Solomon when he was in a depressed state and just sort of sick of the world and, you know, and um, it, there was a time there where he was just saying it's all useless. So so to pick a verse that he's saying is not necessarily saying that's good. Yeah. So um, by having a broader understanding and a yeah. broader context, you get a little bit more protected from people just cherry picking things out and saying this is it. Yeah. You get you get um, an understanding that you can't use verses like that and and you can't just go to those particular books and grab a verse here and there. They they t- they take some careful handling. But if you took me and said four or five verses that Paul shared. Yeah. Paul and Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Or Jesus. You know, here's things that four things that Jesus said and three things that Paul said. I'm like, wow, that's going to carry a lot more weight because it's probably in the context. The things that they said were yeah. not. Because you know, they were always referencing yeah. from like the Old Testament. Yeah, because well. otherwise, you know, like I, I, you know, the Bible does quote other people, and it doesn't always mean that what they say is right. You know, the Bible actually says there is no God. Did you know that? 
No, no he, yeah, he didn't. Well, because yeah. it says in the book Psalms, the fool has said in his heart, mm. there is no God. Yeah. All right, so yeah, with, with context. By quoting the fool, it actually says there is no God. Yes. All right, now it's a short little bit of context, so that makes it easy. But in Job, it's a lot harder because it's hidden maybe within two chapters. You yeah. don't realize that you're reading someone else's quotation mm. of, and they might not have had a, their head right, you know. And But some of the, some, some of the problems is I when I'm reading some of those um, friends of Job, it's like, yeah, they're making a lot of sense, but it's not something not quite right. Something not right. And yeah. it's, so, so it's 90% good, but then they... They get it wrong. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And so it's you've got to dig around and you've got to you've got to work through that. So context always helps. The wider you read, the more you're aware. Um, verses always make more sense when you understand what the context that they're in. Um, so so in this sense, um, uh, it, it's an Israeli king, um, Ahab, and he's getting messages from another king called Benhadad, um, and. Basically, they're, they're under siege, and Israel's in trouble. And so Ben-Hadad sends a message to him in verse 10. Then Ben-Hadad sent this message to Ahab, May the God strike me and even kill me, for there remains enough dust from Samaria to provide even a handful for each of my soldiers. Otherwise, I'm going to wipe you out. All right? So the king of Israel sent back this answer. Um, do you remember in... There's a um, the Battle of the Bulge, which is a f famous um, tank battle in the Second World War. Mm. Um, the, the Nazis throwing everything they can at the, to try and win back the, you know, mm. the, 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 um, the their position in Europe. It's a last gasp. They throw everything at it, and there's a little group of American soldiers that sort of get stuck in the middle of it, and they're sort of holding back the might of the Nazis in the in the in the, um, the, the war machine coming through, and so they, the the commander sends them a message. To say surrender, because you know we're going to wipe you out. So we're giving we're, we're doing the honourable. We're giving you a chance to surrender. Mm. And um, the 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 the, um, the commander of the American troops sent back a one word answer. It was nuts. <laughs> Just nuts, nuts. Uh, I don't not quite. I don't know what he exactly meant, but he got the message over. They were pretty mad. Like, no. It was like you, nuts. We're not doing this. I think it's. I, I, if I remember, that's accurate. So, okay, Ahab's in that spot. Yeah. Okay, he's been told, we're going to be crushed. So he sends back a response. You know, the, does he say nuts? No. <laughs> the king of Israel sent back this answer. A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior who's already won. Ah, there you go. A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior who has already won. That's a, you know, ah, you know, that, that's a... It's a, it's a little phrase, yeah, and it's obviously something they meant. Um, is, but it, it, in order to make sense of this, if I just go to um, some of the different translations, if, you, if I look at the, the literal translation, Young's literal translation, the benefit of Young's literal translation is he just said, I am going to try and stay as true to the accurate, to the, the Hebrew yeah. or the Greek, even to the sentence structure, to the gramma uh, grammatical terms. Like, it's a terrible translation because it's like you cannot do that with a translation. You cannot, that they, they say things different. They say things back to front. They use different, front, you know, tenses and things. You've got to bring it into our language. Yeah. It's a translation for yeah. them who can understand it. Yeah. So, um, Young's literal translation, though, is on my list because I realize it's the most literal translation. You know, well, there's a couple others now, yeah. but it was, you know, one of the most literal translations. But I understand I use it to sort of see, okay, it gives me a very fixed sort of um, word for word sort of fixation. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's accurate, it just means it, 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 it will help guide. And so, um, so look at what 
the king of Israel answered and said, Speak ye, let not him who is girding on boast himself as him who is loosing. Mm. Now, even Young says, I can't do this. And in, so in italics, it puts his armor. Mm. And what it's meaning is, I just feel really bad. Without some explanation, you're not going to understand. So literally what, had to do something. Literally what the, um, the phrase is, let not him who is putting on boast like, boast like him who is taking off. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Putting on what? Taking yeah, off what? Well, yeah, yeah. Like putting on like him was taking off. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So Young says, I'm just going to put in his armour because I can't leave you wondering because otherwise it makes no sense. But then they say, ah, so when you come back to the New English translation, tell him like the one who puts on his battle gear yeah. should not boast like one who is taking it off. Yeah. His battle gear is not in the Bible. Mm. All right? It's not in the Hebrew. Um, it doesn't exist there. Um, it's just obviously necessary to make sense of not yeah. the, not him who let, tell him the one who puts on should not boast like the one who is taking it off. It brings it brings understanding. Yeah, once I understand, I, ah, without it, it's like don't understand this. Yeah, so it's like ah. um, the New American Bible it does the same sort of thing. It uses um, italics to show when it says put things in for. To, to try and you know, provide some sort of meaning to what you're doing, mm. but the words are not there. So tell him, let not him who girds on his armor boast like him who takes it off. Mm. Um, but a lot of the other translations don't have the it italics. Yeah. All right. Um, like the King James, the King of Israel answered, said, "Tell him, let not him that girdeth on his harness, harness yeah. boast himself as he that putteth it off." So I would think it's like a horse. Yeah, like that, that's a little bit different to uh, battle armor now. Yeah, you know? so they, they've sort of taken a guess. Is it meaning putting on a harness on a horse? Yeah, like a you know, like the, or a plow, of, some sort of safety harness. Or... Yeah, <laughs> what what is this? So it's like, oh, that didn't really help me because I didn't really make, make much sense of it. Um, so let's see what else we get in here. So we, now we we kick down. Um, oh. Jump the verse back. That doesn't help. Um, so the New King James, um, they've switched his harness to his armor. Can you see that? Harness to his armor. Mm. So when they when they said, "Listen, they if the New King James changes it, it means they really think they got it wrong. They have they have tried to honor the um, King James as much as possible, and if they've changed something, it's because I said, "Oh, that wasn't that." We've since discovered that's not what they meant. Yeah. All right. So. So now we get down to more um, uh, the New Living translation. The king of Israel sent back his, this answer: A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior has already won. Yeah. Okay. He's okay. The context. It's not even as if I'm putting on, taking off. It's like the one who's starting a battle shouldn't boast like the one yeah. who's already won the battle. Yes. Win oh. the battle. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when you're putting your armor on, it's not the time to say how good I am. It's yeah. after you've won the victory. So it's not even when you're taking your armor off. Mm. It's when you've won the victory. There. Yeah. You know, the person who's the person who doesn't get to take their armor off, the dead soldier. Okay. The dead soldier doesn't get to take his armor off. So the one who take gets to take it off gets to boast. I did it. I won. Um, but look at. Um, King message by the king of Israel kind of think about it. It's easier to start a fight than end one. Mm. I don't really think. Yeah, I don't, that, yeah. to me it doesn't really. I don't think that's even 
I think that's what he meant. I don't think he... Yeah. Suck. Oh, that's... But I like the, the Living Bible. The King of Israel retorted, Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Okay. Uh, I didn't know they had uh, the, the Hebrew word for chickens in yeah. there. <laughs> there you go. The king of, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Got nothing to do mm. with what the Hebrew says. Yeah. But what was the Hebrew phrase? It was a an, like an idiom. It was yeah. like a phrase to mean something. And um, so is it when we have a, 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 a little phrase today, which actually perfectly matches what the meaning was, is it good to use that? Because we're really familiar with it and it means a lot to us. Mm. Even though the, the, the words are obviously totally mm. wrong. Yeah. But the, the, if you go from meaning to meaning, yeah. does that work? Does that work for you, Josh? How far will you go in your translation? Will you stick with the very rigid? Will, will you say, no, no, it just says, don't let him who boasts putting on boast like he you know, who's taking off. Um, how far would you go? How far will I go? I think... Um, I mean, I, th- I, th- I, do, I think it's good. I, I find the middle ground. Middle ground. Uh, <laughs> Josh is Josh is just wussed out. I'm, like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm lukewarm. What so. about what about you? Anyone who's watching, what's your thoughts? You know, just stop and think. How far? What would your translation look like? Would yeah. you actually go all the way and say, "Don't count your chickens before they hatch"? You say, "Yeah," because meaning for meaning, you know, packet of truth for a packet of truth. Yeah. I'm doing this. Or would you say, "No, no, I, I, I feel it's wiser to stick to what they were saying." Because like more literal as we were discussing before without the armor it's like putting on what taking off what yeah. so in that sense i would rather yeah have the understanding in there and I, there's no one no one has been um has actually translated this totally literally mm. because even the young's literal said mm. i just gotta throw the word his armor in yeah because i'm just you know and now the danger is that um you can throw something in, like the King James did, his harness, got it wrong. And still, possibly probably, and still possibly got it wrong. Got it wrong. Yeah. But, um, so we're, we're relying on the fact that these people know about, that it is armour. Yeah. I actually don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in the Hebrew language. I'm not an expert in their customs and the culture. How do they know it's armour? And, and obviously when the King James, you know, if, if he was putting on, shouldn't boast as if he were taking it off. Mm. What if without without the armor as the clue, we'd be left? It's very important information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's he talking about? And um, so we're actually leaning in to people who have, have sort of made the decision for us yeah. and done that, and we're trusting them. And you, and I don't mind doing that. I, I'm, mm. you know, we're not. We, we 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 stand on the shoulders of all those people that have done a lot of this research. Yeah. People who've gone and studied original documents, and not just Bible original documents, all the documents from you know throughout those throughout the ages that help to provide light because they read other phrases and they say, ah, oh, that this has also been used by the king of Egypt in a yeah. phrase. And he actually said the armour. So now we know what they meant. Do you know what I mean? Things yeah. like that. They, they've been able to put things together. Um, so where does this leave us? Well, it, tell, it, it leaves us, when we come to passages like this, first of all, in the context, it sort of makes sense. He's, he's throwing it back at him. Mm. So you'll be, you'll be sort of halfway there. Um, Using free-flowing passage um, translations like the New Living or even the Living Bible can help you because it's sort of, ah, I get that. Then you can go back and read um, the other translation. Ah, so he wasn't actually saying chickens. Yeah. 
But now I just sort of know what you're saying. That's, that's just the beauty of having multiple translations. Exactly. You're asking me to pick one, and like, well, actually, we can go here, and then we can go there. Yeah. So that's the thing. That's that's so. The benefit is we have multiple translations. We can understand what choices they're making. Um, idioms are a very hard thing because they often are referring to things which are yeah. conceptual. And so if we, we talk about the concept, we, we don't always... Um, and is, is, that, is that also um, reliant on like particular knowing a language? Yeah. Because um, like, I don't know, I'm just Polish, for example. I'm sure there's things that they say and um, if you were to translate it, English would be like, well, it doesn't really make sense. Exactly, yeah. It'd be, every language has them. I think English would be full of them, you know, just different different little phrases. I often, because I've been, you know, in my understanding, trying to understand the Bible, I often hear people say something in English and think, how would someone in 2,000 years go mm. trying to translate that? Do you yeah. know what I mean? If they read that or heard that, they'd be like, they'd be scratching their head, what in the world is mm. he talking about? Because it sounds so strange, but in today's language and with our understanding, yeah, it makes sense. So it's a, I often, I'm thinking when people are using fr phrases or language, um, and that helps me to soften myself a little bit by saying, hey, when I'm reading the Bible, let's be careful about becoming too dogmatic about a phrase, especially if there's a yeah. chance as an idiom or use being used sarcastically, which Paul does. I love the fact that Paul Paul throws things back at them, you know. Do you think it's good this? Hey, if he's being sarcastic, don't grab onto it, you know what I mean? But sort of listen in the context and, and get what he's saying. But if they're using a, a phrase or as we've seen in one of the later passages, um there is um um Luke, for instance, likes to, to use um you know, like you know, when the phrase like um, Jesus saw, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Um, Luke said, um, I saw the Holy Spirit come down mm. like a dove. Yeah. You know, he uses like a, you know, like a. You know, to, you know he's like, um, because, he, you know, he's, that's a sort of something he likes to do. Mm. Um, well, let, let's, um, are you ready to dive into one that's a little bit tougher? Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Because uh, I did because I did the first one so well. Let's yeah. let's go right in. Let's go Luke twenty two thirty four. Oh, sorry, Luke twenty two forty three. Um, this one, let's do it early so that we we I can get your upset out out of you. All right. Um, okay. Um, Sometimes we come to the Bible with an emotional or theological bias. Mm. You might not think you do, but we do. Okay, what do I mean by emotional and what do I mean by theological? Um, let's, start, let's start with theological. Sometimes I have a truth, which I believe is the, you know, the way of doing things. Yep. And I come to a verse and it doesn't quite fit my theology. Mm. So I can, I can just slightly bend it a little bit. I nudge it. But I don't even know that I'm doing it. I'm just trying to fix it up a little bit. Yeah. And now it fits more neatly into what I believe. Yeah. But in doing it, I've bent the Word of God away from what it originally meant yeah. into something I'm a little bit familiar with. I had this experience many years ago, uh, years ago, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, I was reading the passage in um, Joshua where it says, um, when he goes into the promised land, he's to meditate on the word of God day and night, and he, you know, and he, he will have good success. So I said, I'm just using that. I was going into a new season at that time, and I was mm. meditating and praying over it. And I was using that as my my passage, and it says, "You will meditate on the word of God day and night, and you will not let the word of God depart from your mouth." Mm. Now I just fix that up because 
It's your mind. Meditation is a process of the mind. Yeah. I should not let it depart from my thinking. Yeah. So I just changed that verse without, you know, I wasn't writing my own Bible translation, but I just changed the meaning. You shall not let the word of God depart from your thinking. You will mm. always be thinking about it. And I remember one time God said, hey, I said mouth. And I'm like, yeah, but that's sort of wrong. Yeah. Because, you know, talk, you know, it's like talking to you. That, that would mean like talking to yourself. Well, crazy people talk to themselves, you know. I walked past someone in the street, you know, not too long ago, and he's having a little conversation with himself. Mm. He was not right. Do you know what I mean? He was, you know, I'm guessing high on drugs, or his mind had been badly damaged by drugs yeah. to the point now that his mind has stopped functioning properly. And he was, he was having a little conversation, and his eyes were all going back and mm. forth. And I was like, oh, there's a man that needs help. All right. So I'm just like, Jesus, God, you don't want us to be like that. You know, no, 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 we're not, we're not the crazy ones. Sorry. So I said, God, I'll just help. I'll fix you up, God. Um, because in the 20th century, you know, as it was back then, mm. you know, now in the 21st century, but, but then it was the 20th century. 20th century, we do not let it depart from our mouth. We do, we do not let it depart from our thinking. Mm. And I really felt the rebuke of the Lord, like, I don't want to be fixed up. I'm very happy with what I said. I'm, I said mouth. I mean mouth. Yeah. I stand by mouth. And it actually shook me up. You know, this, I had this little like, oh, I've been, I just fixed it up for him. Mm. And he's like, I don't want it to be fixed up. So I had to go back and say, well, why did you say mouth? And then I discovered that the, the, the Hebrew word for meditation is to, you know, literally to mutter, yeah. to murmur, to, to, to be rolling over. And then I discovered that there is actually an, a, an amazing power in speaking the word of God, not just thinking about it, but actually speaking it. Yeah. Putting it on your lips is, it's become one of the, the great tools of my life. It's it's. It's so helpful. It's great for like to focus as well. Because oh, your mind can go your mind can go left anywhere, and right, back and forth. Once you lock it in and start speaking, your mind gets into agreement with yeah. that. And so when I'm going through a difficult situation, for instance, and I will just begin to speak and I will begin to just roll over the scriptures and talk them out. You know, when I'm you know, maybe I'm in a situation I'm in a lot of pain and I'm like, ah, oh, I I'm actually now buddy, I want to tell you what the word of God says yeah. about you. And I begin to speak and I just begin to say, you know what the Bible says this and I begin to and I just begin to have a little conversation and I begin to talk. And you know what I'm doing? I'm doing exactly what God wanted me to do mm. and taking the word of God and thinking it over and murmuring it and talking about it. And I'm so grateful that God got through to me because I had fixed it up and made it worse. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so sometimes there are, there are some passages in the Bible where I can see that they've fixed them up. Yeah. All right? I'll give you a, I'll, I'll actually give you three examples if you want and that I believe that they've done tried to do the right thing, but in doing the right thing um, they actually get it wrong and they actually take it away from what God was actually meaning. Mm. Um, so it's theological. Another one is emotional, yep. which is um, a truth or a passage that I, I have a, an emotional link. It's really spoken to me. It's helped me. It's you know, brought me to tears. In yeah. And then I discover it and I discover, ah, oh, it doesn't actually mean what I thought it meant. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awkward. Yeah, I've had this amazing experience or, or some preacher shared it and, and it's just been amazing and I've, I've been jumping and I've been praising and I've been excited and then do a little bit of deep study and it's like, ah, oh, it doesn't actually mean that. Yeah. Or, or it's like, oh, I'm connected with that. Or... Um, I'm invested in that, you know, like as a preacher, it, it, you, you put yourself on the line, you, 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 you take something, you nail your colors to the mask and say, I believe yeah. this and you speak it. And then you, you study it out a little bit and realize, oh, it's not as, um, 
maybe not as clear cut as I would have been making it out. Yeah. Or, and I find, so I'm like, oh, what do I do with that? You know, and, and, and sometimes just out of, well, I'd rather just block it from my mind because it's a bit embarrassing to mm. start saying something different or to admit something. I'm not talking about major theology. I'm not saying, oh, I've just suddenly discovered that, you know, grace is not, you know, sufficient or something. No, I'm talking about just little things. I'm talking about a verse here or there. For instance, um, Okay, so you have like an emotional connect connection to it. Mm. It's a favorite story of yours. It's yeah. something that really works, and you're like, oh, uh, you know, how do I handle that? Um, and what do I do with that? And then, okay, so let, let's just um, Luke Luke twenty two thirty four. This is very real to me because this is this morning when mm. I was reading. Okay, so this is fresh, fresh, fresh off the. Um, um, that's twenty two forty four. So that's I'm, I'm like. That does not look like for I'm like that's not, what not. I, that's not what I was reading. I, I was reading that this morning, but that's not that's I was reading a bit further down. So let's go forty three. Okay, so um, yeah, um, so this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's he's <clears throat> um, agonizing over mm. the choice he's made. So it's a it's a uh, it's a favorite passage in the sense of uh, um, especially when he said you know. Abba, and he talks to God yeah. and things like that. It's just, oh, it's got a lot. You know, so I was reading it and thinking about it. And um, so, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Mm. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. <laughs> and he prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Remember I said Luke likes to use the um, like? Yeah. Um, you know, like, like this. Yeah, like you know, like, like 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 great drops of blood. Um, I mean, I think. I, um, yeah, you know, Peter, the, the devil wants to sift you like wheat. You know, um, you, you know, Luke eleven forty four. He talks about um, you're like graves with dead men's bones that we're walking on, but we don't yeah. realize. You know. So there's lots of likes, likes, likes. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a type of phrase he used. So when it came here, his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And I was like, oh, I, I always thought that he actually, it, it, not like great drops of blood, but his sweat that actually happened. Drops of blood. Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, have, have you. No, I've actually. I, I thought I thought the same because I, I thought like that's just how heavy. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you know, and I'd heard and I'd heard that the, you know, and in teaching on this, you know, that, that there's um, he'd under such pressure, his little blood vessels that had yeah, burst, yeah. And, and, and blood had actually literally dropped, come and drops of blood had come out, and I'd heard it. I'd hey, um, Kim and Peggy. So I'm not sure when you've joined us, Morning. but I've just looked up to see that you've got... Yeah, I just thought as well. I hope I'm not stepping on any toes here or killing any sacred cows, but I'm going to. Because, you know, this. I want you to understand that you're gonna, in, in, if you're going to dive deep in the Word of God, you're going to hit passages that hurt your sensibilities. Yeah. They're going to hurt what you have believed. They're going to hurt your emotional... They're going to hurt your theology. Mm. All right? So if you're not willing... I, I give you okay, a little spoiler alert. You know, a little warning. You know, it says if you're not willing to have your your feelings hurt, if you if you don't want to have a Bible that ever challenges you, but only just gets in agreement with what you believe, stop watching now. Mm. Go hi, it's bye. Okay, this is now part two. Yeah. This is for all those that are willing to um, actually go through things and and have your your, your understanding pulled apart a little bit. All yeah. right. So um, so I heard this. I heard. Um, 
<laughs> I like kill all the sacred cows you like. We'll do it. Let's go for it, Josh. We've, we've got permission. We're gonna we've got it. permission from Peggy. Um, so I'd heard a sermon where Jesus had um, th three places he had shed blood. He shed blood when he was whipped. Yeah. He shed blood here when he had prayed. Yeah. And he had shed blood on the cross. Yes. Okay. Spirit, soul, body. Mm. The body when he was. Is, you know, um, yeah. and he was whipped, the spirit when he was on the cross, yeah. the soul when he was in agony. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it's like, it fits a beautiful sermon. I'm not sure, I may have even preached that. I may have, I can't remember, it was a long time ago that mm. I haven't preached it for a while, but I, I, I would have like, three way, three times, do you It sounds like a very good place. Sounds like a good sermon, doesn't it? And so like, um, I'm invested in this, now I've put my, you know, and, and um, you know, the, and, and I, it's not just I've heard, you know, I haven't just made this up. I've heard preachers. I've yeah. heard, um, I, and I've found that you can actually go to some Bible commentaries and they will they'll back this up. Um, but I was surprised by this little word, like great drops of blood. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that puts like. a different... That, that's a, that, the, the, if I just read that, yeah. it, it means... It, doesn't mean it, it certainly doesn't mean drops of blood. It means like great, great drops of blood. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean... That's where it, well, it wouldn't. It, it wouldn't need to say like. No, like it, sweat drops of blood. Yeah, and if you put the word like in there, you're actually meaning it's not actually that. It's it's some, it's like it, but it, it's not it, it. It's as heavy as, but it didn't ha it didn't sweat yeah, drops yeah, of blood. Yeah, it's like it. Yeah, if I put the word like in, I'm like I'm immediately saying that's not what it was, but it's yeah. you the idea. Yeah, and so it's actually a comparison. It's actually yeah. So it actually means that if I put the word like in, it wasn't drops of blood. <laughs> so it's no like, doubt. Uh, so it's like oh so I'm like oh did so had I'm, I'm like now what do I do with this um, what do I do with this okay mm. when you come to a passage like this you go oh so because there's a couple of options is this something where someone the translators have had to wrestle with something and they've chosen one side but there is an actually another option that says um, this is what the Greek is. Um, I actually found one commentary when I, I did a bit of research from this and, and look, you know, thinking about what we're going to come into this morning, I yeah. thought I might share this. Um, and I found a commentary that says, and you know, as it says, if you look in the Greek, it actually says it was drops of blood. All right. And, All so, right. and now I've done enough research and enough reading up to that point to say, like, what? <laughs> I don't think the Greek does say that. I think yeah. the Greek actually is more what you know this translation is showing but it's interesting that they said in the commentary if you dig into the greek it will just back up what i'm just being saying right i'm like well actually you're pretty invested in this and you've just said that the greek backs you up i'm sorry i don't think the greek does back you up in this situation you just want it to back you up yeah but i'm not an expert i'm not enough an expert to be able to really say that do you know what i mean i, I cannot make those decisions mm. i have to rely on people so this comes to a point where um it's it's harder to say well who do I rely upon? And that's why I have a lot of um, Bible commentaries here in my on my Bible. A lot of them are free, yeah. so I just download them because they're free. Yeah. But now it's like, ah, oh, which ones do I actually go to, which I would, would sort of be more comfortable with? So you you have to have a you know, or which website do I go to that I'm, I'm sort of relying upon? So um, because you can get now a, a a range of understanding. First place to go to. Um, Josh, you need to go to a lot, all the other translations mm -hmm. because if I see a, a, a range of translations here, yeah. it means that the experts themselves are struggling. And do, do the other um, yeah, okay. So they... let's have a look, says Josh. Let's have a look. The new so um, which ones do I go to? Well, okay, I start with the New American. 
because that's the one that is in my Bible. Yeah. And um, his sweat became like drops of blood. That's where I read it. So that's what got me on this. Yep. New American, fairly literal, fairly, you know, hold fast. Like um, drops of blood, yeah. Um, so basically what, what you're doing is, um, when I come down here, the Holman, standard, uh, Holman Christian Standard Bible, it's a, an updated version, but flowing from the same sort of understanding. Um, it became like drops. Um, a Jewish Bible, so they, they, from a different perspective, this translation often doesn't follow the, the you know, you know, you know how you get five or six translations, they all follow the same thing. Yeah. It's like I said, Josh, um, you know, this used to be more accurate um, years ago when you, you know, you set watches manually. Now they're all connected by the internet. But, you know, 30 years ago, you know, when you just had to set your own watch, if I said, hey, Josh, is, is the time correct? You said, yes, I've checked it against three clocks. The clock in the kitchen, the clock at my um, bedside radio, and the clock in the car. And they're all your clocks. Well, I you know, see, that's not real help because they've probably all been set by the same yeah, person. It's, it's all it's all you. It's, yeah. all, it's all related to you. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's four, four different clocks, but it's all got a connection to you. So some translations actually have sort of a historical connection, yeah. which means that they, they're sort of... Um, the, um, so I, I don't mind that, but you just be aware of it. Does mm. it make sense? So, you know, the, so... Um, so the the Jewish Bible is a way of sort of well actually my neighbour down the street has the same time. Oh okay. Because it's like he's from a different camp, a camp, a different family. Yeah, yeah. But he's come to the same conclusion. Oh, that's cool. So that, that helps. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So there's more really fresh translations. For a while there was a, a lot of translations, but they were actually revisions of revisions mm. almost. Do you know what I mean? And the King James was you know people go oh the King James was the original but in fact the King James was actually a revision of a revision. 90% of the King James was taken from another you know New Testament particularly was taken from another Bible. Um, Tyndale's Bible I think it was. You know and, and so it's like okay I mean they took it from the heat. You know what I mean? So we've all been borrowing but there's a, in the last about 50 years there's been a number of translations which said hey we're not going to be listening to everybody else. We're just going to start afresh. Yeah. Okay. Now, the problem is you can't actually start afresh because you've been influenced by all those yeah. Bibles for 50 years. That's already happened. You know, you know, so it's already happened. I've got some biases in there. I'm yeah. going to bring them. But they've sort of said, we're not, we're not going to start with this and see what needs to change. Yeah. We're going to start from a blank slate and mm. see what we want to write. Mm. Okay. So, um, so, we're, so we're handling this. So King James goes back to the original. His sweat was what was it? As, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood. Ah, uh, so that could sort of mean... His sweat was as it were great drops of blood. So is that saying that... Yeah. Good question, Josh. Uh, Can you see how people reading that for years would think that it was actually saying he, he was sweating yeah, drops of yeah. blood? So maybe that gives us a clue where this thinking entered in. Yeah. Because that translation gives that sort of impression. Okay, let's see what the New King James is. Like I said, if they change it to the New King James, it's got to be significant. We got it wrong. Because I think they got it wrong. Yeah. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood. So they said the way we, we said it was didn't really reflect properly. Yeah. So they made the change. So Living Bible. Um, For he was in such agony of his spirit that he broke into a sweat of blood. With great drops falling to the ground as he prayed. So there he's taken it. Is that that's the, yeah, that's straight into broke into um, sweat of. It says sweat, but of blood. blood. Yeah. So it was like. So he's saying the Living Bible says I'm convinced. Yeah. All right. Um, New Living Translation. A group of men came together, revised it, 
he sat on the committee. Sometimes he was outvoted twelve to one, mm. um, and so he was. You know, he, he was a great. Big kudos to Kenneth Taylor. To take your, your, your child and put it in the hand of a committee and say, I trust you guys. Yeah. You know, he, he, he believed in... Can I just say, he believed in the truth of the Word of God above his own emotional and uh, theological convictions. Even when he wanted to hold on to some things, he let it go. Mm. Um, so... Um, so let's see, New Living. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of his spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Like. Yeah, they've said, it's not drops of blood. Yeah. It's actually like great drops of blood. You can't, you know, whereas he brought that in. Um, it's a message he prayed on all the heart. A sweat wrung from him like drops of blood. P Passion translation, his spirit became drops of blood dripping onto the ground. So they became come, yeah. So they, his they, sweat became drops of blood. blood, not like, but of became. So that um, good news. Sweat was like drops of blood. Young's literal great drops of blood falling upon the ground. Okay, Young's and the King James very much working off the same sort of translation, but mm. just a bit more literal. Um, all right. So amplified more yeah. earnestly and intently, his sweat became like. Great clots of blood dropping down upon the ground, but still got the like in there. Mm. Um, so let's okay. So I said okay. Well, let, let me go and have a look in the commentary. Um, New in New English translation. No, oh, actually, we didn't look at their translation. Right at the top. New English translation is good. It's a fresh translation. Yeah. So it brings a bit of a fresh eyes to it. And in his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood like. falling to the ground. Oh, we have a, we have a question from Judith. Why would each translation use blood specifically? Why not sweat? Okay. Is, it, is that to portray like intensity of what he was feeling? What, what, okay, let's, okay, take a step back. Okay, because we're sort of, I'm, I'm diving into the, oh, is it like we're into the little words? Yeah. What was actually being said here? So let's take it from the New England trainer. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat. Um, if, uh, if, uh, if Luke just said he sweat, he was he was dripping with sweat. Mm. I'd get the point. Yeah. But remember how Luke likes to say he was it was like it was like it was like, it was like the, the spirit came like a dove. Satan fell like lightning. lightning. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Let's let's it hits, let's, it hits, hits yeah, heavy. Yeah. It gets, give, and now I get a visualization of what's happening, and so Luke says he was sweating not just perspiration, but drops of sweat. Yeah. Were dropping like it was like he was bleeding. Yeah. Drops of sweat. Okay. So, um, in one sense, and, and I'm just thinking this a little bit more out loud here, which is always a bit dangerous doing it online. Um, that's actually more intense than the fact that he might have actually broken some think blood vessels and had some sweat mixed with blood. Yeah. To uh, to see someone actually who's not exercising. Vigorously, yeah. but it's just praying. Yeah. Have you ever broken into a sweat when you're praying? Just think about that. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever prayed in such a way that you've actually built up a sweat? Have you ever prayed to the point where your sweat was dropping and dripping, mm. like you had to wear, you'd have to wear a headband to stop? I've never been that intense or even close. Yeah. So, if if you're talking about just praying and not maybe. Praying, yeah, praying and jumping. No, no, he's yeah, kneel, kneeling down yeah, on the ground yeah. and praying with such intensity that I, 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 I have broken out into such a heavy sweat that it's dripping 
dripping mm. like blood. Now, by saying like blood, I understand. It's like a cut. That's like drips, drops of blood. Yeah. So the like blood helps us understand the intensity of the sweat. So sweat and blood are both in the Bible. All right. So that's why they translate it. Yeah. But the word like is also in the Greek. And we can sort of find that in a minute. Um, so that's why it's not not just the word sweat and blood. Yeah. It's sweat like blood. Yeah. And um, so that's why. But yeah, so why would they, they use blood? Because it is sweat and the word blood. Yeah. But the word like or a, a Greek word which can mean like. You know, it's, like, it's one of those little... Yeah, it's not it's not as easy as that, but it's like but Luke does use it all the way through, you know, yeah. like in, in a different way. Um and so so I say, okay, well, let's look at the New English translation on this. Um and it doesn't talk about it. I'm like, oh of all the you know. So there, there my, my new English translation gives, you know. But um I also noticed something. Um that the funny thing is, this translate. See this little, um, little square bracket. Yep. If I go back, and I go here. It starts with a square bracket here. Two verses are actually put in these square brackets. Um, that's what the New English translation goes on to. Um, let me just make sure. Yeah, no, sorry, it doesn't. Um, here, it says. Guess and guess what. These two verses probably aren't weren't in the original Bible. I'm like, no, let's not mess with that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, don't, whoa, take, don't whoa, say whoa. that. Now, now you're really, now you, now you're kicking my cows and while they're down. You know what I mean? This is, this is the Bible of today. <laughs> this is the Bible. You can't say that. <laughs> so I've gone from, oh, it wasn't blood. It was like blood. To, oh, these two verses might not have been in the original Bible anyway. I was like, what well, do I do with this? People, ah. Well, you know what? You've got to realize the Bible is a book, book and it's God-breathed. You cannot just treat it that this has just come to us by some angelic um, being that has just dropped it into our laps in this 21st century. It's come through a process of inspiration through the Word of God, and we've covered all this, but it then it's been copied and translated and copied and copied and manuscripts have been copied and yeah. lost and found and put together and copied again. And um, in that process, it is not, um, it's, it'd, be, it's, it'd be actually, if there was no manuscript um, discuss, you know, uh, conflict, yeah. then I'd know it was actually a, um, it was a fake. Because, you know, you can't go that long without some some, sense, yeah. someone saying something. <laughs> yeah, it's got, you, can't, you can't take a, a, you know, an original document from 2,000 years ago and bring it today and say, we've got the only true copy. Well, mm. that, that says, you know, if, that, if you've got the only true copy and things haven't changed, you've got a fake. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You've got a fake Bible and that doesn't work. Then no, we know the Bible's real because we've got thousands and thousands and thousands of manuscripts, either full versions of a, 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 you know, from the top level of a whole Old Testament down to, or New Testament, down to the book of John, down to, you know, a passage down to a fragment. We've got the, the whole lot. And, There's a lot. And, but people, because it's the Word of God, have been spending their lives sifting through, putting them together, and, and then using computers to make comparisons and all the rest. Mm. It's been an amazing process. And we stand on their shoulders and say, thank yeah. you. Thank I mean, you. Absolutely. But in doing so, they came across some passages that were not 
that they were in some some Bibles, but not in other Bibles. So what do they do with that? You know, you can't just sort of say, well, just put everything in because um, that. So there's a study that that is on um, when you're copying things. What are the likely errors? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and one of the errors is sometimes you you see something and then there's a very similar word on the next line. Um, if so, you got two. If you got two very similar words next to each, or you know, close to each other. Um, you know, the way they're written, sometimes the, the, the guy will be copying, he looked down, he looked, he looked back, and he'll go to the next line down. Mm. So you'll get a couple of words missed. Yeah. So missing a couple of words between similar words is not uncommon. Yeah. But if you've got, another, if you've got other documents that show the full line, you can work out, ah, this is what he's, mm. he's dropped down and you'll miss. Sometimes they're like, oh, I'm not sure what that means. So the, 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 the person doing the scribing, the, the, um, the, the copying, puts a note in the margin that says, I think this, or something like that. The next person copying says, oh, he missed a bit, and I'll put it in for him. So he, the, the scribe's note gets added in as if it's part of the yeah. the Bible. And so they've got to work things like that through. So basically, and um, I don't expect you to be able to read these things um, and sort of say, I understand them all perfectly. But I just want to give you, if you're going to deal with this, you're going to come across this, and you've got to you know, just be confronted by it. Yeah. Um, does it mean that everything that they say, I'm not sure that was in the Bible, means it's unbiblical? No, because sometimes um, they add things that were from another gospel yeah. and they put it in there. Yeah, there's, um, there's, I think there's an example where it says, um, oh, I won't turn to it, but it's like um, Jesus said, this doesn't come up by, but by prayer. And then it says, and fasting. fasting. Well, the fasting was probably added. You know what I mean? But it's probably because in other passages, prayer and fasting is used but you know, but it sort of so rolls off the tongue. Yeah. And also, if, if Jesus says something in the book of Matthew, when someone's writing down the book of Luke, they're so used to what that, that phrase yeah. that sometimes the phrase from Matthew gets inserted into Luke because it's sort of so familiar. Mm. And then so they can work that out. They can say, ah, oh, you know, you look back at these documents that wasn't said, but then you look and suddenly that suddenly it's saying that it just happens to say exactly the same thing as Matthew. The scribes just got a little bit, you know, lazy or, or thought he's fixing it up. Um, so they do that. Um, when they discover documents, um, so I'm, I'm just going to give you some little help here. If you can look at this, it just looks like oh, a lot of letters and things. I can't read this. That's all right. Trust the people. New English translation. I trust them. Mm. I actually feel, you know, I'm feel comfortable with them. Yeah. I'm not going to believe them for everything 100%, but I'm going to lean into them because I can't mm. do this. Several important Greek MSS. MS, uh, MS is a manuscript. MSS means manuscripts. Okay, yeah, so, manuscripts. So whenever yep. you see MSS, multiple manuscripts. They they named the nam, 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 They named the manuscripts. They gave them letters and numbers. They gave them um, Hebrew letters. They gave them Greek letters. They did all sorts of things to name manuscripts. So key manuscripts got their own name and number, mm -hmm. or you know, and letter and number, or and, and then you get a lot of fragments that get smaller like P. And then a smaller number, but not every manuscript is equal, and they understand that. The same as I said, you know, hey, if you if I find five manuscripts and they're all from the same area, it can be like setting a, a clock. Yeah. But if I find another manuscript from three hundred years earlier, that's from another place, you know, a, a thousand miles away. Yeah, it's um ah that that could help because it's... has some weight, has some value to yeah, it. Yeah, because it's come from a it's been copied from a different channel. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you can so they some. Some have more oomph because how complete they are, how early they are, 
and their location and where they've come from. Yeah. So they, they weigh all those things up. So not every manuscript gets equal weight. You know, there might be a group of manuscripts that all say the same thing, but they're all so it's like one voice. Mm. So you know, there might be only one manuscript over here, but it's important because of where it came from and when they found it. Um, so they've got some numbers here. They're just the numbers and the names of the manuscripts. I don't know that, but if you're really, you know, at a level of scholar that they're saying these are in the ones that we've sort of based this on yeah. along with diverse and widespread versional witnesses they it lacks verse 43 and 44 um, and in addition the verse is actually placed after Matthew 26:39 in another manuscript mm. so one of the manuscripts actually has these two verses in a, in uh, in the book of Matthew Okay. And like, how did they get there? How did they get there? Um, floating texts typically suggest both spuriousness, um, you know, can't be trusted sort of thing, and early scribal impulses to regard the verses as historically authentic. These verses are included. They are included in these key manuscripts. Yeah. Um, and, however, a number of manuscripts mark the text with an asterisk or an obelisk. Indicating the scribe's assessment of the verses is inauthentic. In other words, that they, someone who's scribing says, I'm putting it in, but I'm not so sure about it. Yeah. All right. So they've already got, the, they've put it in, but with questions. Right. Um, at the same time, these verses generally fit Luke's style. Arguments can be given on both. So it's like they, they match. They don't sound like they're not from Luke. Yeah. Arguments can be given on both sides about whether scribes would tend to include or omit such comments about Jesus' humanity and an angel's help. But even if the verses are not literally authentic they are probably historically authentic now what that means is oh well, this is due to the fact that this text was well known in several different locales from a very early period so it's got widespread support yeah um sometimes there's things said about jesus not just in the four gospels but people got other reports and other things and luke yeah. was still around yeah and matthew was still around and you know and and luke and, and they'd say things and people say oh luke actually said this yeah so someone's oh they've added it in yeah. as a like an, an appendix here you know or oh matthew told me or we you know we heard you know to the so sometimes they hear or i i was in a sermon and matthew i oh, was sorry i was in a meeting and matthew was speaking and he said that when Jesus came, you know, he was dripping with sweat. Mm. And, um, oh, so he was dripping, you know, you know, like it's sort of, so it could be, it's not that it's not accurate. Yeah. It's just that it probably wasn't in Luke's original writings. But what they wrote is probably happened. It's still authentic from the time. Yeah, yeah. it's authentic. Um, and since there, um, since there are no synoptic parallels to this account, and since there is no obvious reason for adding these words here, it's very likely that such verses recount a part of the actual suffering of our Lord. So it actually happened, but it wasn't what Luke originally wrote. Mm. That's their guess. Okay. Nevertheless, because of the serious doubts of these verses' authenticity, they've been put in brackets for an important discussion. There's problems see Mr. Ehrman and Mr. Plunkett and the angel and the agony, the textual problem of Luke 22. So he, um, they, there's been a big article written on that in a um, theological, I'm going to get something, something quarterly. Christian Bible Quarterly or something, and a 16-page article hmm. just on these two verses and whether it was accurate. Um, Josh, they've, they've yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Josh says, I'm going to go home and re look that up <laughs> and read that. Sure. Yeah. Um, and can I just say, my one of the things as a Bible teacher, sometimes I do. I, yeah. I search those things out. I look yeah. for them because I'm curious to sort of look, to make sure that 
Hey, their 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 summary is an act is a good summary. You know, I'm not going to do it in this case. I, I'm trusting them. Mm. But what I'm saying is, what do we do with this? And you will find that in in different Bible verses and different passages, some brackets. Sometimes you go to read it. Have you ever gone to read a Bible verse and it's not in your Bible? It's like I know it's there, but it's not. In my, it doesn't come up. And they've said no. You know, so you could find that this verse does not appear in some Bible translations. Yeah, we, we often quote um, like New King, sorry, or the King James or whatever. Yeah. And like you, because it's like it's a famous scripture and you quote it and then you go read it in your words like, well, it's not this exactly the same. Like, yeah. But why do I know this? Like, yeah. like the mighty man of valor with like Gideon. Yeah. It says valor, I think, in uh, the... Um, the King James version, maybe, yeah. or maybe it's the New King James. Yeah. But then I read my other, and it still talks about valor, but it doesn't say the word but, but, valor. But you've never had that Bible. But I, use that but I know valor. I know mighty amount of valor. So yeah, yeah it's it's interesting. So um, yeah, so you you might go to a Bible Bible passage one time, and it's not there, and you're like, ah, they've taken the Bible away. Well, you know, they, these people are under under intense pressure because if they don't take the Bible away, they're actually adding to the Bible. Mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Ah. Doesn't matter which. Can I just say? Doesn't matter what they do, they will be blamed for it. <laughs> it's you're never going to win in this situation. No. You know how did you know? I remember hearing a preacher once saying, you know, they should just stop messing with the Bible and, you know, the Bible is the Bible. Stop taking verses out. I'm like oh, that, that's easy if you're not doing your own Bible translation. Yeah. And you're just saying, well, whatever was in the King James works for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and but there's a lot of stuff happened since then. A lot of scholar. Um, but people say, ah, that shows the Bible, you know, is so corrupt. It actually is the opposite. Mm. They they spend a lot of effort to trying to work out what is accurate, and yeah. they, and they will weigh it up. And what you'll find is like something like this. Hey, it's 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 has a lot of other evidence. It's probably authentic, even that it really happened. Yeah. It just might not have been in the original writings mm. of that. Um, sometimes you know, and sometimes it's just a, an excited. Um, uh, person, you know, monk there writing things down and they, they just put the words in from Matthew or yeah. something like that. They just get a little bit wrong. So um, I'm just saying, don't fall over. Don't stop reading your Bible because it's, I can't trust it. You can actually go to, you know, go to your modern translations, know that they've done a lot of this work. And it's like we said like, a couple of like, episodes ago that God has been a part of it from the very start, working through all these people to bring the word to us yeah. now and here. So even though even if it's like oh it didn't exactly say that back then it's yeah. different now but you know it's God's in this it's it's God breathed yeah and um and you know what do you do when you find your favorite verse might not have been in the Bible to start with oh I've cried tears over this verse well, can I just say just just grow over it <laughs> and often what what you got to find is no verse in the Bible sits by itself anyway um, if you if you're trusting in a verse that doesn't fit with the rest of the Bible. Then um, you're in real trouble. Mm. But if you if your verse you suddenly find it might not have been there, it's probably got a parallel verse in one of the other gospels, or yeah. in some you know Paul said something similar somewhere else. Um, it just means that the truth is there, but you just can't be saying that it was written by Paul or it was written by you know Matthew in that particular time. Don't, so don't 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 get too, too concerned about it. it. Just it truth is marching on. It 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 comes back to what I said earlier on. If you read, if you read widely, these things aren't near the problem. Yeah. If you are in the habit of just plucking out verses, they become a problem because you pluck out a verse, then you find that it doesn't have great context yeah. and and you know great support. And then you're like, oh, I based my life around. Well, you should never base your life around plucking stuff out. Base it around the whole word and your reading. And then when you dig deep, 
just be aware. Now, um, it's very rare that we have this sort of situation. Yeah. It's not like every verse or every second verse. It's you know, it, it's occasional that this happens. But when it does happen, just understand this is what they're doing. There are people that have gone to great efforts. You can see here, they, they've gone. They've gone to a lot of effort to explain. You know, someone has really weighed this up, and it'll actually be a group of people have mm. weighed this up and said, "We think this." Yeah. But we're not so sure that we haven't actually put it in the Bible and brackets because we just think, well. It's got a lot of historical sort of support. We'll, we'll put it there. We'll put it in brackets and let you know. And so that you can sort of, you know, just handle that a little bit more carefully. And then we find in that even then there has been this translation. And I'm thinking, I'm guessing it goes back to the King James, which was a little bit obscure and made it sound like he was actually sweating drops of blood. Yeah. And the word like didn't really carry it. So I, you know, where do I go for that actual verse? I go to my, my go-to commentary new is the new international commentary of the new testament I, i'm you know i don't believe everything they say because mm -hmm. you know, it's people's views mm -hmm. but um i find that they're pretty i you know I, I i like what they do yeah and um but you have to pay a fair bit of money for this one so i'm not trying to but i'm so i'm giving you a little bit of a sneak peek um so in these verses um Well, I really can't find the verse. This is all on these verses. Oh, wow. Um, There's a lot between each. Yeah, for, um, it's verse 43, isn't it? 43, yeah. Um, can you see the word blood? I can't find it here. Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to spend time. Um, I think it's here in the. Um, okay, it's in this sort of um, footnote here. The image Luke employs is of sweat dripping so profusely that it was like, and there's the word Greek word like olse. So again, it's just showing that there, there is a Greek word. Yeah. And that's what how it's been translated. Okay. So it's 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 in there. Mm. Drops of blood. Not that Jesus was actually sweating blood. Mm. Luke's portrait thus gives no basis for interpretations that focus on the blood of Jesus on the Mount of Olives. That of um, uh, this uh, speaking of a, a, a Bible scholar mm -hmm. um, said his redemptive blood begins to flow in the garden. They said there's no support for that. For examples of Luke's fondness for similes, see these verses, and that's where. Now I give them. That's my secret. That's where I got those similes from. I look like I was being smart, but actually just got them from here. Um, and um, so, but what it says is there is a Greek word. That's what it means. Um, it means like. Yeah. Um, but you can go, I can go, I, I found Bible commentaries that actually said, oh, there's a physical condition and there's, and they, they locked into it yeah. because it probably influenced by the King James. Then they, they, they lock on. And when I hear something different, um, I've got to be willing to move sideways yeah. with it. Okay, i got to say, well, it wasn't. A, but then, you know, the most important thing is stop thinking about whether it's blood. Or, okay, what did Luke actually mean? And then meditate and think about that. It's yeah. actually powerful. Yeah. May, it, maybe even more powerful. It was always about the intensity of what Jesus was feeling, yeah. not just oh, the blood yeah. being the, the, the focus. Oh, he's, he's sweating blood. No, it was, it was so intense what he was feeling, what he was going through, that it yeah. was like that. Let, let me so let me give you a couple of um, verses where um, uh, I think the bias works, you know, um, f where I can see it 
in, in, in a positive way. Yeah. All right. Okay. Acts 26 2. So, so I'm just saying, you've got to be, just be aware of these sorts of things and um, be aware of you doing them yourself. So, in your own translation. Um, so, we, okay. New American, here, you know. So my, this is my Bible. In regard to all the, this is Paul standing before King Agrippa. He says, in regard to all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that I'm about to make my defense before you today. Okay, so Paul says, I'm lucky to be here. Mm. All right. Now, I have a theological bias against the word luck. All right. I actually, I, I got lucky. I don't, I'm not lucky. I don't believe in luck. I don't think luck. I've listened to Kenneth Copeland preach on luck, and therefore I am... I am fearful of God of saying the word luck because it's... We are blessed. Yeah, we are blessed. Because, you know, it says there's no, you know, um, Proverbs says that there's no such thing as luck. It's the, the, the thing, you know, if you mix some dice in, it's in God's hands. There's no, you know, we, we don't live in a world whether I'm lucky or unlucky. Mm. You know, it's... I, and so I have had this drilled into me. It's like swearing to say, yeah. oh, that was lucky. Yeah. So if, if, if my car just misses something, I go, whew, that was lucky. I would feel like I've cursed. Mm. I would feel like I've blasphemed. Yeah. I would say, no, that was God's blessing. That was God's favor on me. That was God's protection yeah. on me. To take, I mean? to take that, God's favor, God's protection, and then call that luck. It's like, that's not what, what it, it is. That's, that's insulting. And then I say, okay, but you know what? Paul or Luke, writing about Paul, uses yeah. the word, he says he's lucky, he was yeah. fortunate. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Fortunate. Well, maybe, maybe, and, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know, you can't sort of say they're wrong when biblically they're doing it, in a sense, you know. Um, and so, you know, let's have a look at a couple of the other translations here. Um, Holman translation, I consider myself fortunate, mm -hmm. fortunate. I think myself happy, says the King James. Hmm. Um, think happy. I am fortunate, King Agrippa. I am fortunate, King Agrippa. I can't think of a king who I'd rather be answering all these. You know. I, Passion translator. I consider myself highly favoured. Hey, hey, highly hey, favoured. Hey. Now, the... now, can I just say it's like, all right, I've cherry picked a little yeah, bit, haven't I? Yeah, and yeah, passion yeah. translation is hardly the. Um, that, that's that's the, the the one against all of yeah. those. Yeah, and it's one that's free flowing. Free flowing. Yeah, it's, it takes liberty. Um, give good news Bible. We're back to fortunate. Um, I've thought myself. Ha um, oh, let, let's go back to the New English translate. Tom, top. Um, I consider myself fortunate. So we're, it's me against the world, Josh. And yeah. Me, me and the Passion Translation. And if you put it in yours, I'll say we've got two translations. We've got the Josh <laughs> Dobie translation, the Passion Translation, and me. I'm against this. All right. But you know, because of um, yeah. You know, I, I, I okay. I'm gonna. Hey, can I just say I'm happy to have my sacred cows, even if I think they're biblical. Yeah. Like, okay, let them be challenged. Yeah. Let them be put through the filter. So let's have a look at this Greek word, which is um, fortunate. Um, so let's, in all these things, I'm accused by the Jews, I felt fortunate. So here's, here's where they've numbered each of the words, yep. like in the dictionary. So Greek 3107, let's have a look at this word, fortunate. Okay, so I'm like, okay. I'm, ex uh, I'm expecting it to be Lucky. Lucky, you yeah. Know what I mean? a, pr a prose form of the poetic makar, blessed one. B 
blessed, possessing the favor of God. Well, that state of being marked by fullness from God, it indicates the state of the believer in Christ. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not lucky. That's not lucky. He's blessed. That's not fortunate. He's in the state of being marked by the fullness of God. He's being blessed. Um, so it's now... Uh, and and the, um, the free-flowing one has said that. Yeah. Instead of the, like the literal. Yeah. And wouldn't the literal be, I am blessed? Yeah, yeah, yeah well, yeah, why, why have they, they've, they've gone for f fortunate? Yeah. Um, and so, okay, in Luke 6, 20, 22, blessed for the Son of Man's sake, blessed. This is not lucky. No. And so it's like, why would they use the word fortunate? Because they haven't had Kenneth Copeland's teaching and they have not, they don't see a problem with saying the word fortunate. They yeah. just think that's a, that, that means that God's, Given them good luck, yeah. Effectively, God, God sort of given them good fortune. And I'm no, I'm not going to use the word fortune when I talk about God. I'm not going to talk about you know the fortunate because you know fortune tellers can tell you about fortune. <laughs> I'm talking about, and so I've gone this and I, hey, me and the Passion Translation, I'm holding to this. <laughs> I'm marking this as a theological bias. Yeah. <laughs> they just say it's fortunate. Uh, Paul, Paul didn't say it was fortunate. He said. Hey, I'm, I'm, I've got the blessing to be here it's one today. One of those ones where it sounds better and it's right. Yeah. So, um, so there's one where I dug a little deeper and I found that, hey, I, I've, I believe I've got a, a case for correcting that. Now, that's, you know, I don't want to, dig, I don't want to go too strong in the yeah. sense. There's a lot of people who are strong translators and they're much more skilled in this than me, and they've translated it's fortunate. Yeah. So there's probably a sense and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a meaning that that can be taken like that, but. I'm like, yeah, but you don't need to take it like that. Yeah. There is a strong case of this is what this word means. Um, um, yeah, it's just all about the word blessing. Um, so I would, um, I will put that down as I, I, I'm happy to change that. And whenever I read that, and yeah. I don't know what I've got written in my Bible, I, 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 let me check. I might have. What, what's? I reckon that's a good idea. So where were we? We're in Acts twenty-six two. Because no, I'm the same. I, I don't. Want, I wouldn't want to use the word luck. You know. Yeah. That's just like oh, it just happened to come about like this. Just yeah. No, we're blessed. Make myself okay. I I will get a pencil and mark out fortunate and um, say blessed. Blessed. Um, okay. Um, let me give you another example of, of this. Um, Joshua six two. This is an example where they fix up the word of God for him. I'm a new American. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. Okay, I'm happy with that. I've, um, look, Holman, I've handed over Jericho. Um, I've handed Jericho over. Um, so I go back to the New English translation, which is a modern, more modern. Yep. The Lord told Joshua, see, I'm about to defeat Jericho for you. Mm. Okay, but the New American says, I have given Jericho. Defeat, have given. It, yeah, it's like a past tense. Yeah. The New English, New English translation says, no, I, no, no, it's actually future tense. I'm about to defeat Jericho yeah. for you. So, well, let's, let's go and have a look at the comments. Yeah, well, that, that, that's just like the difference of tenses. Yeah. Past and future. Um... So they give an explanation. Thankfully, they give an explanation. Yeah. I have given them into your hand, which is past tense. The Hebrew verb that I have given is probably probably best understood as a perfect of certitude. In other words, I'm, I'm so definite, indicating the certainty of the action, 
The Hebrew pronominal suffix your is singular, being addressed to Joshua as the leader and the representative of the nation to convey the modern reader what is about to happen and who is doing it. The translation, I'm about to defeat Jericho for you, has been used. Mm. And so it's, uh, we don't want people to get confused that God's using past tense yeah. to refer to a future event. Right. But they said he's using past tense because he's so confident that's, in that's it. That's just how assured. He is. That it's going to happen. <laughs> but they said, you know, that, that could confuse people. Yeah. And so we, we better to fix it up and use past uh, future tense so people are not confused. Yeah. Um, I sort of feel that if those people could have the same conversation that I had when God told me to stop saying switching mouth to mind. Yeah. He said, I put it in past tense. I'm happy for it to be in past tense. It's already done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't fix me up. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fix my grammar. Oh, God, you've spoken about a future event in past tense. That's all right. I'll fix it. I'll do it. So you can see that they've got a problem. So this doesn't sound right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, so it's the Hebrewism for being certain. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? There's a choice to be made there. And I, because my theological understanding of, you know, he calls those things that are not as though they, they are. are. Yeah. I get what he's doing. Yeah, he is the same as he called Abraham. The you know the, his name Abraham, which means the you know the um, uh, father of a multitude. Yeah. Even though he did, you know he and Sarah had didn't have any children. Yeah, um, he did that in past tense. He yeah. said, "You are this." I get it. I sort of I understand what he's doing here. And when he talks to Joshua, it helps me. Yeah, that's in past tense. I thank you, God. I've got to speak sometimes in past tense about things that are in the future. Yeah. All right. That's right, but this translation tried to fix it, mm. and I, and and because they're like, oh, that doesn't sort of sound right. Doesn't sort of you know, it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't sort of work. Yeah. Um. So they've tried to fix it up, and in fixing up, I think they've got it wrong. Mm. All right. So um, dig a little deeper. Sometimes you find that you know it actually matches with what um, you do. I'll give you another example where I think that you know, so trying to fix it up. Second Corinthians. Know where it is on my Bible. Gonna... 5.21 God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. It's one of my foundational truths and, and passages in the Bible. It's just amazing. Mm. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin. Why is that so important? Because he's made me righteous. Mm. All right. Um, that was an exchange. Yeah. My understanding of what God did to Jesus is vital because that gives me the understanding of what he's done to me. Yeah. All right. Now, some people say, no, when it means he made him sin, it didn't actually mean he made him sin. It mean it made him to represent sin. Yeah. It didn't make him actual sin. Yeah. All right. Because to make Jesus sin, it's like, no, we don't want to see that. But I believe that's what... Paul meant and what Paul wrote was what he meant because in Galatians um, chapter 3 it says he became Jesus became a curse and um, you know cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. tree so Jesus was cursed he became my curse not just represented it but actually became it so that God's punishment would be on him because it's why is that important because Jesus became sin to the level I became righteous yeah 
So if Jesus just represented sin, mm. I'm still a sinner representing righteousness. righteousness. Yeah. At my core, I'm still a sinner, that's, that's but I've got a new label on my yeah. top. If he's still righteous, but with a new label, that's I, uh, and that's what it feels more like a bad name. Yeah, we're, we're putting a we're putting a new title on you, but you know. Um, so to me, it's a big deal. And so you know, study it out, look at it. But there's a bit, you know, people are like, oh, it doesn't seem right to say Jesus became sin, and they sort of, you know, they don't. They see other scriptures. I'm not yeah. saying it's, you know, I'm not here to debate this as such. But, but what it is is the scripture actually here says God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. Mm. All right. Um, and and I, I like it in the New American actually says, you know, to be is actually um, in italics. It's not actually that. Literally, what it says He made him who knew no sin sin mm. on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. And so sometimes I like to just uh, to quote that. Um, now, look at what the Jewish uh, Bible says. God made this sinless man be a sin offering, offering yep. on our behalf. Okay, the word offering is not there. Yeah. But they've tried to say he was an offering for sin. He wasn't sin itself. Right. So they're sort of saying when Paul said God made him who wasn't sinful and knew no sin to be sin, that's how it's been offering for sin, a sacrifice yeah, for sin. Yeah, sacrifice, yeah. Um... um I don't think that's necessary. No. Because I don't think it needs to, to be no. explained. No. I don't think it needs to have that explanation. Um, for God took the sinless Christ, poured into him our sins, then in exchange he poured God's goodness into us. Mm. I like it. That is good. I like it. Um, so let's come back to see um, to Joshua. What? I'm doing something with my hands, which is pretty special, but I don't know what it is. I'm making the verses go back. Um, new living for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin okay yeah. Kenneth Taylor said you know and actually God took the sinless Christ and poured him in, into him our sins mm. they said no no what it meant was you never sinned to be the offering for our sin mm. they said no no what that means is it was just the offering for our sin just the offering not to be our sin um and literally, he was the offering for our sin. He made him who knew, knew no sin to be sin. Yeah. And, then, and, in, and, in, and, the, and the implied truth of that is, and, and punished him. Mm. And, you know, but people say, oh, no. You know, some people say, no, they didn't. Jesus couldn't be punished because he was God. You know, like, oh, well, he became sin, so our sin could be punished. Yeah. So we could be made right with God through Christ. Um, message Bible, how you say in Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong, so we could be put. We could be put right with God. Yeah, I like that because it's, mm. you know, but ma made sin as opposed to put wrong on him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, so you can sort of see how a few times the offering or, or the sacrifice of sin has been put in there. Yeah. That's, I think, a, an example of trying to make what they understand theology yeah. and, f and fix it up a little bit. Right. Because if you just read it, it sounds like it goes, it agrees with that. The, it would make people think that he became sin, and we don't want them to do that. Yeah. I was like, well, we do want them to do that. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not bad as such, but it's like beginning to just water it down a bit. Yeah, like, it's, no, it's, 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 it's taken on that other path and says, you know, because if I can, if you know, if I made the argument, oh, no, no, Jesus actually was sin, mm. and they say, well, you go to 2 Corinthians 5, and oh, it says, no, no, he made him the sin offering. It wasn't sin, it was just the offering for that. Well, that's not actually what Paul said. Yeah. That's why you're getting it mixed up because you're quoting something that has already been fixed up yeah so there's another example of a, a, a bias that i think is i'm not you know in saying that i'm not pointing fingers and saying they're terrible people. yeah i'm just explaining this is how translation works so you can have the tools 
by looking at through these things mm. and then you can say okay I get what's saying and it matches up um, and you know um, and that's that's when you do, you do it you're relying on the Holy Spirit and you're getting wisdom that we don't have and you can still get the the truth the foundation of actually what it is yeah even, so, even when these things happen so. exactly we, we can we can we can dive into this um, and again your, your, your biggest protection is to read widely hmm. do you know what I mean by reading the book of Galatians and understanding that and then like in here by having multiple translations yeah I, I, I came to the understanding of it's not too difficult to see where this has come from and how it's happened. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And um, so you can you can understand. So that's why you know. And but it does make it difficult. You know, I recommend the New Living Translation as the um, translation of choice for a new Christian. Yeah. I, I I pretty much say that's the best translation if you're brand new. It's easy to read. It doesn't use difficult English. It pretty much gets the translation. Yeah. Good in a good mix. And yet, then I'm teaching them and say, oh, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, Jesus became sin for you. And I'm like, oh, that's not what your Bible translation says. So it's like, I've got to say, just ignore that bit. Just you know? <laughs> read this translation. Yeah, yeah read, read this from here. It's like, a, um, I, I don't want to explain to a new Christian, oh, that Bible's not got it quite right, because I don't want to sow the doubts. Give them give a Bible and just put a little piece of paper over that and say, this is actually, use this word. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, sort of, it just makes it awkward when I'm teaching them who they are in Christ and we go to that scripture and we're like, oh, the living Bible sort of has corrupted that a little bit by yeah. trying, to, trying to fix it up. But you just sort of talk over the top of it and you show them the new American and just, just don't try and explain <laughs> what, what happened. But um, that's, it, it's, so, you know, I recommend the Bible. I love the Bible. But it just means that you. But, you, but see, I'm, we're giving you tools so yeah. that you can be equipped to make these decisions, and you're exactly. not bound by what a translator said. You can, you know, thankfully you don't have to go back and be searching out for manuscripts. You know, you're not, not, you're not out in the Syrian desert at the moment trying to find a, a you know, a, a tomb that's got some old, um, thousand year old manuscripts, and then putting them together and say, what do they actually say? You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and then you come back and oh, you put them all together and you go, now I've got the text, now I've got to translate it. And now, thank God we're not doing all that. But we can stand on these shoulders of all the people who've done things, help them make solid decisions um, and, and learn to do what we're doing. So we're going to leave it there. That's, um, we, today we were talking about um, theological biases that can come in, um, emotional, emotional connections that we can have mm. that, that help. You know, we've got to... Um, can I throw one more? Do I want to give you a sacred cow that's really upset me a little bit? This is let's, upset. Let's, let's do it. One more. Just that, one, this is like, no, I'm finishing on middle low, but I, I don't want to whether it'll, it'll fit next week. First Samuel 17. Um, the, the, the famous story of David and Goliath. Um, and so... Ah, oh, this one. So, Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces. He was over nine feet tall. That's pretty tall. That is very tall. And I have done sermons on this. Okay, here, I've got skin in the game in this one. Yeah. I've done sermons. I've pointed, I've put a tape measure. I've shown how tall mine. I said, imagine a nine foot tall yeah. person and all the rest. And so you imagine my surprise when just, you know, probably a couple of years ago now, I was reading... I, I haven't actually said Goliath is nine feet tall for a couple of years. You might not have picked that up. It's because now I'm not so sure. Why am I not so sure? Because I didn't know there was any other choices. I always thought everyone said nine foot tall. Yeah. And um, so, so the New English translation, 
you know, coming from, you know, not, not carrying on the, um, the traditions, fresh look. It says his name was Goliath, who was from Goliath, he was close to seven feet tall. Well, seven feet is not nine feet. That's a difference of yeah, well, two feet. Yeah, it's a difference of two feet. <laughs> What's happened to the Goliath? They've cut him down. He's not as giant anymore. He's gotten shorter in the translations. Yeah, and so I'm like, well, what is happening here? New American says his height was six cubits and a span. Okay, I can understand that um, it's cubits is different to feet. Yeah. But if you look at what a cubit is, a, a cubit is... Um, Effectively, a foot and a half in, in our in our language. Okay. All right. So I, I'll just do that sum for you. Yeah, it's a foot and a half. So six cubits is about nine feet, and a span a bit over nine feet. All right. So you know, so span hand hand over one and a half feet. He's a big boy. That's so, okay. So he was nine feet nine inches tall. So Holman, we're going down to the inches here. Nine feet nine inches tall. Um, so why was um. Uh, the King James, six so cubits. They're all, they're all saying, most of the, are they all saying here, nine, nine foot. foot? Six cubits, which is, and a span, which is nine is feet. Nine foot, yeah. Or, um, you know, nine foot, nine inches. Um, measuring over nine foot tall. New does, the, does the Passion Translation save us again? <laughs> uh, over nine feet. Message Bible, nearly ten feet. Passion Translation won't work because it's, uh, it's, it's only, only the New Testament. Yeah, only the New Testament, actually. Um, I just realised that. So it's over nine feet. Um, six cubits. Um, they're all nine cubits. Oh, except well, now we get a few um, translations you probably haven't heard of. But um, four cubits. Hey, hey, what's this four cubits? Thanks, Brenton. Yeah, amplified, six cubits, almost ten feet. Yeah. Almost ten feet. Yeah, there's all. This is that's six cubits, nine feet, six cubits, nine feet. Um, I don't can't tell you what the Spanish one says. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say six cubits and a half. Yeah. Um, six cubits and a span. So pretty much, they're, they're all, but they're, they're all, all saying the same thing. There's here. only two: Benton, Brenton, sorry, Brenton, and Newish translation. So okay, well, let's go to the commentary on this and let's look at the net notes because the man of the space with uh, two armies, his height was six cubits and a span. The um, now LXX, you might see this every now and again. LXX is um, stands for seventy in the in the Hebrew in the if you ever see Greek or Roman Roman numerals, LXX um, is fifty and two tens seventy. So okay. So the LXX you should actually become familiar with this. This is something if you're going to dive deeper, especially anything in the Old Testament. What happened was because um, the LXX is probably the Bible that Jesus read. All right. So that, that, there's um, there's something to go for. That's um, interesting. And Paul. Probably use the LXX. So what happened was the Bible was written in Hebrew, um, and then hundreds of years before Jesus was on the scene, they put together a translation of the Hebrew into Greek. Mm. So they, they took the Hebrew Bible, translated it into Greek. Yeah. Because not everyone could read Hebrew, so people had had a Greek modern. No, they had a Greek modern translation. Yeah. People say our oh, translations. You know, should you use translations? Well, Jesus used one. He used the Greek translation. How do we know this? Because when he quoted scriptures, it, it had the um, it was had the Greek slant on some of them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. they've got the Hebrew, they've got the Greek, the Greek. And um, so what they said happened. How, how this translation came about? There's a, a letter that, and I think it's actually made up letter. This is my personal opinion. Mm. Um, it's and you know when and um, because what they were saying is years later, is the Greek was the Greek translation 
accurate? Was it a good accurate? Mm. So someone wrote, oh, this is how it started. Yeah. 72, they sent 72 scholars, six from every tribe. Um, so that's 72. I don't know why it's not LXII, but anyway, they call it Sept... They call this, you might have heard it as Septuagint. Septuagint. Heard the word. Septuagint. Yeah. It's 70. Sept, September, seventh month. That makes probably confuse people because it's ninth month. September was originally the seventh month. October was the eighth month. November, ninth month. December, dec, decimal was tenth month. They've all been shifted over two months. Okay, I'm trying to, now I'm confusing. Sept <laughs> is seven, all right? Septuagint, seven, 70, 72. Yeah. 72 scholars, six from each. And they came and they, they, they did this presentation and they, they answered all these amazing questions. It's a, really, it's a really interesting thing about how they answered questions. Um, I should have highlighted say, how they answered some of the questions when I read it one time. I actually found the, you know, not the original document, but copied the original mm. document. And it was quite interesting reading their answers to all these questions. They, they were like the most brainiest people ever, answered anything that this king had. Then they were all sent, all of them went into their own private room, yep. and they all translated the, um, the Hebrew Bible into um, the Greek. I can't remember how many days. They're there for days. Yeah. They all come and they put their translation. And guess what? They've all written exactly the same thing. It just shows how the, uh, their translations all matched up exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I think you're just telling a story to try and convince yeah. everyone that Septuagint's amazing, all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right? I don't think that happened. I don't know where it was translated. But it did actually happen. It is a real translation. Yeah. It might not have started like that. They don't, the Septuagint doesn't say that's how it started. This is someone's written story. So you often hear that Septuagint is, you know, 70 people, you know, 70, 72 scholars went and did this. And, yeah. and they all came out and it was all in exact agreement. There was a translation called the Septuagint. Jesus was aware of it. Paul was aware of it. The book of Hebrews, and the writer of the Hebrews, he quoted from it. Um, that's how, you, you know, some of the Psalms, you get the variations because it's gone through Hebrew to Greek. And so now they've picked up as opposed to straight from Hebrew. So there's some, there's slight variations there. Um, but what it does is it gives you a picture of how scholars understood things hundreds of years before Jesus was born, yeah. how they viewed certain Hebrew idioms and Hebrew things. And, and if there'd been any mistakes in the copying, if they, they, the Greek one might have been before the mistake. Mm. So if the Greek translation happened before the copying error, yeah. then the Greek one would show you what it really was, oh. and we've only got the copy, which is wrong. So either the Greek one's wrong or the Hebrew one's wrong, but sometimes they've been able to work out that the Greek one gives us indication what should have been. Yeah. So, the Septuagint and a Qumran manuscript, so it's not just this, of 1 Samuel, and, and Josephus, a, um, a Jewish historian of the time of Jesus, yep. he re reads four cubits in a span. So the Septuagint never said six cubits, it said four. Yeah. Josephus said four, the Qumran manuscript said four, a cubit approximately 17.5 inches, 18 inches. If you're going to say approximately, say 18. Yeah. That's easier. A span half that. So the Masoretic text places Goliath at about nine feet. Masoretic text is the Hebrew text. Yeah. Six, nine feet, six inches tall. And that's reflected in all these translations. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. While the other textual witnesses place him at about six feet. Six feet. Seven inches. The New American Bible actually went with it and said six and a half feet. Time New American Standard Bible came, they'd gone back to nine feet. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Too much pressure. Too much. Um, wow. Cubit was adjusted through history. So we're not talking, it's not the problem with the cubits. It's the four cubits or the six cubits. 
maybe they adjusted the, the yeah. size of the stone as well. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. This took out a, well, this pebble. So here, and here's an interesting thing. If the cubits measuring Goliath were reckoned as the cubit of Moses, his height at six cubits and a span would be approximately seven foot nine inches. So it's a chain is a, bit, a little bit different anyway. This is one of the many places in Samuel where the, the Septuagint and the Qumran evidence seems superior to the Masoretic text. And they mm. said, we think what the Septuagint said, in fact that Josephus backed it up and this um, Qumran says, we think that's better than what the Hebrew text is. It's possible that the scribe's eyes skipped briefly to the number six a few lines below in a similar environment of letters. The average. So when he's writing and he and he and he's going to write four, he looks down and he sees the number six. Yeah. Because there's a six just below it. Right. And he's accidentally hmm. written six feet for the height of Goliath. He's given him two extra cubits. Um, notably, notice the average Israelite male of the time was about five foot three. That's Men were short back then. Yeah. That's not very tall. It's, it's, I'm not very tall, and that's shorter than me. Yeah, you would be a giant. You'd be tall. You'd be a yeah. big man. Um, <laughs> Um, Saul being head and shoulders above most of the would probably have been about six feet tall. Mm. So I would have been, I'm about six feet, I would be as tall as Saul and I'd be like, oh, you're a giant of a man. Yeah. You know, short. Um, but that's still shorter than Goliath, even at four foot, four cubits in a span. It makes sharper contrast between David and Saul. There would have been a greater expectation that a six foot tall Saul would confront a six foot seven inch Goliath. Mm. Placing Saul in a bad light while... David, it's five foot three. It's like, why would he go up against him? You're you're much closer to it. Yeah. Okay. Not as a yeah. So they're just sort of saying. That's why there was an expectation Saul would do this. Um, that under that, that I, not every every Bible story book I've ever seen is the nine foot version. Yeah. Nine to ten foot. Nine to ten foot. Although that's a significant difference. Like yeah, six, they're taking three feet off. Six to nine. Yeah. All right. So he's either six foot nine or. Seven foot six or something. But you take with that the oh they were also shorter. So they like, were shorter. So it's, it's like so they're still tall. It's still tall. Yeah. So even though we've knocked him down, a, we've knocked him down to six foot seven, but we're, we're you know five foot three. So you know yeah. relatively, he'd still be like a seven and a half foot yeah. ten man to us. So it's like us saying you know not everybody's six foot, but if the standard was six foot and you see a nine foot man, it's like he's tall. <laughs> so there I have it that the. Just and here's an emotional attachment. Yeah. When I first read that, it's like it, it, no! it makes the story sound better. Yeah. Little David, really tall, nine foot, tall Goliath. Yeah, uh, he's a huge man, and so I was like, oh, I don't like this at all. Um, so there's one where I emotionally had to, I had to get some healing from this. So could this be? Could this be? And it's not even definite because you know translations are gone with it. Yeah, but they sort of said, listen, it's there's not there's not agreement with here. And I looked up, you know, Josephus, who is, like I said, we, we use him as a reference to Jesus' times and references about Jesus because he wrote at the time. I don't think he was a Christian, um, but, he, you know, he wasn't a believer, but he yeah. was a Jewish historian. Um, he, he followed that, um, the Septuagint. But maybe it was just because he followed Septuagint, that's what he had. Yeah. But Jesus maybe followed Septuagint. Maybe he believed that Goliath was, you know, Jesus would have known how tall it was. So, Jesus um, was the word. So, um, so uh, uh what do you do with that? You know, what do you, what do you, oh. well, what I'm saying is, um, this is, this is what my heart is. Yeah. Lock your heart into saying, my heart is whatever the word of God originally said and originally intended. And I will let the Holy Spirit take that to me and deal that with me. I will always put what the word of God says over what I think it says. Yeah. 
what I was told it says, yeah. what I believed it says, I'm just going to say, I draw a line that says, if that's the case, well, so be it. If I've got to have some emotional healing, yeah. if I've got to eat my words, if I've got to, you know. Now, in this case, I haven't said anything because it, it, it's like, it's un, it's not totally decided. Yeah. Like the fact that translations are going both ways. It's only yeah. a New English translation and, um, the, was it the Breton or whatever? Brenton. Brenton, yeah, you know. Um, so it's not like there's overwhelming evidence. Yeah. And But there's a lot of bias. And like the New American Bible said, oh, we'll go with six foot. And by the time the New American Standard came, no, 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 we're, we're pushing back up. We're going, you know. So there's people unsure. There's a lot of, there's a lot of you know, a lot of um, children's storybooks out there. Um, you know, that, that sort of, you know, we, we've got to hold this. But then again, they show David as like a young kid sometimes, yeah. you know. Accuracy is not always their big thing. Yeah. What do I do with this? I just say, God, I'm hungry to know what really mm. you're saying. I don't also get too hung up because, to like Josh said, okay, the important thing is, oh, they were shorter. Um, I want to look at from the point of view of five point, you know, five foot three. This yeah. is what we're doing. But really, this is coming up against a well-seasoned warrior who yeah. is a giant of a man, and David defeated him because he trusted in God. Um, those things don't change at all. No. Um, don't ever get so caught up in the controversy side that you, you can't let the Holy Spirit breathe into it and see it. And sometimes when you do embrace what it says, like I said, the great drops of blood, like drops of blood, actually when I released my own view mm. and embrace what's there, it actually becomes a deeper revelation mm. and actually becomes more powerful because yeah. it's like, oh, it's speaking. And so that's what my encouragement is. Just never, ever, ever nail your colors to a translation. Just always realize we're going through somebody's translation, which is going through someone's manuscript, which is going, they're doing the best they can. Yeah. If I w read widely, if I read multiple translations, it just takes 99.9% .9 of this stuff into account and um, helps. But my attitude, if I become locked in and just defending my truth, you know, there's a, there's a story about um, Jesus said, like putting wine into old wine skin or putting a... Um, some people say old, you know, out with the old, in with the new, in with the new, you know, out with the old, out with the old people, in with the new people, in with the, um, the young. <laughs> yeah, and then, but then it says, but you can't, you can't put a new patch, yeah, on a old pair of pants. Do you know what I mean? And um, like, oh, um, it's like, so the new, out with the new and back with the old. So what, what was Jesus saying? He wasn't talking about new or old. Yeah, he was saying that which has already done all its stretching and all its growing is mm. no good. If you put new wine into an old wine skin, the wine wants to move and, and grow a little bit. Yeah. But the wine skin is brittle. It's done all its growing. It's done all of its stretching. If you want to put a um, you know a patch on, it's going to stretch and move, and it ha it hasn't done its movement yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and the, you know it's 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 talking about it's no good if you've if you've if you've stopped moving, you're mm. in trouble. All right. If you stop moving, you're in trouble. Um, so. It must be. Is it an old patch on a new garment? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. it, it hasn't done the. Yeah. It hasn't. It's so the old is not good. It's it's the it's the fact that, think about it like this, have you done all the stretching you're going to do? I haven't. No, but you've got it. You've got it. You've got it. You've got to take that as an attitude. Yeah. You've got to say, right. I I am willing to change. Yeah. I am willing to be confronted. I'm willing for my sensibilities to be hurt. I'm willing for my emotions to be challenged. Yeah. I'm willing to. I'm willing to go and have a yeah. cry, a few quiet tears about the my favorite scripture yeah. that I found. Yeah. And, and, and I. Quite right. Yeah, that's right. And I definitely wouldn't want to stay 
how I am now is good for now, but for you know years down the track, as I as I grow and develop in God, mm. I do not want to be where I am now. Then <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. So I want to grow and stretch. Is so, what, what I'm saying. So he's saying, look, I just want to understand what you meant. I want to say, I want to understand. I want to get the gist of what Luke was saying. Yeah. I want to understand how his readers heard it. I want that then to Holy Spirit for you to apply it to me. So I get it today, and I'm living it out today. Um, that's what I'm hungry for. I just want to know what what the you know the point was. This is, you know, um, the story of David and Goliath was never written so that we could sit a test and see how many facts we yeah. got right. It was to inspire us to see David, who was a man after God's own heart, who lived a life of faith. That's what it's all about. And but but by but I'm saying uh, it mean, means I don't become uh, well. Doesn't matter. About the, the the details, yeah. I want to dig in because I want to know what's real. I want to know what's truth. Yeah. I want to I want to I want to lean heavily on that which is right. But sometimes when I push in, I find it oh, it's a little bit awkward. Keep pushing, and because guess what? Sometimes you push in and you find some great truth. Mm. Great, he sweat like drops of blood. That's um, Paul wasn't fortunate. He was highly favored he was, to stand before. He was blessed. He was blessed. Jesus. Became sin. God made him who knew no sin to be sin. Yeah. Not a, not just a, a represent sin, not just a sin offering, but to be sin. Mm. That those things by by diving in, um, we get a little bit more depth to them. It actually really builds our faith and grows our faith. All right. So Josh, we, we've we've extended your um, tr- um, translation along. Um, we might even do some more because there's there's other areas. But I really trust that's helping you to to shape how you approach the yeah. Word of God, not just um, how to deal with these particular verses. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Um, leave any comments here. Encourage others to go back and watch this. It's on our website, breakthrough.org.au. Um, you can go to Slash Academy. It's got mm. all the details there. But you can go on there and get um, the Academy series. We'll show you all the different me- messages. Yeah. Um, you can go to our YouTube channel, uh, Breakthrough Melbourne. And and as always, we'd love also for you to come and join us here. Yeah. Um, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be fun, Josh, to have a couple of people sitting here? I reckon, I reckon it would be a lot of fun. Because um, it's very interactive. We we want to. Yeah. We, we you know. Now, if you want to come and sit and not interact, you just let us know. You can sort of sit in this in, in back and just sort of. I just want to watch. I don't want to be interacted. Yeah. Or you can come and we can bounce things off and you can ask questions yeah. or you can just you know be part of our discussion. Either way, we'd love to have you part of it. So that's a good reminder. Um, here at nine o'clock every Friday morning um, till about ten thirty eleven, depending on you know how. Oh, he went a bit longer today, the preacher. So. That's okay. But that was exciting. You got to find out. We're, David. Having, we're, we're having we're having fun. We're having good so fun. And fun. David and Goliath, you needed to get that. Um, so um, go and and get those resources. Send this link on to other people so they can grow and they can get their faith built as they learn how to fish, mm. not just be handed the truth to them. Mm-hmm. God bless you.